I would like to invite our guest speaker, Tom Agam up. Tom is the founder of Hope for Kids International. He is a previous boss of mine and also a friend. It is fun to have Tom here. It's fun to be able to hear his stories. I feel like every time I get to hear Tom speak, I hear just a testimony go forth of the miracles that God is doing in the church globally and the challenge of what our part is to take in that. So we are excited to have him. If you would stretch out a hand, we're going to pray for him this Sunday before he gives us a message. Loving God, Lord, I thank you for the opportunities that you give us. I thank you for how you call us forth, Lord. Uh, You call us to go. You call us to do Um, not just for others, but for the impact that it has on our soul, the impact that it has on our life, Lord. So, Lord, I bless Tom this morning as he gives us this message. I bless him um, in the work that he is doing. Lord, we continue to pray for Hope for Kids, that it would continue to multiply, Lord, that you would continue to uh, lead them, Lord, that your hand would not depart from them, Jesus. We bless him in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Heidi. Thank you. So proud of you, girl. You inspire me. I, I, I'm sort of glad I fired you now. Because uh, this seems like a good place for you. <laughs> no, not at all. Heidi comes up in our conversation with our staff quite often. Well, Heidi did it this way, or Heidi would do it that way. So thank you for inspiring us. And I know... Uh, You are blessed because she is here. Thank you, Bridgewood. Wow. Uh, A year ago, I was here, and I have been telling this story ever since, that so often when I'm out speaking in the weekends, when I'm finished speaking, I'm just exhausted and feel like I'm drained. But last year, when I was here and, and experienced Bridgewood, got a glimpse of who you are, and saw your response to sponsor all those children and give as you did, and, and, and I, I felt refreshed. And I said, I left so much uh, with, I was not empty at all, I was full. And I've been looking forward to uh, returning and being back, and then yesterday spending uh, the morning with your leadership team, again, I was inspired and, and uh, got to know some of the people and, and how they tick, and, and uh, now I'm going to pray for you. I got to know Brendan a little bit, so I'll be, I'll be praying for you more. Uh, yeah. You know, it, that goes to show God can use anybody. Sorry. And, and you learned the filter isn't, isn't much, you know, there's not much of a filter there. So hang on, I'm not, I'm not done with you yet. Uh, I got a really special surprise this morning. My brother Rick showed up. He's from Fargo, was driving up from Iowa. Thanks, Rick, for being here. Uh, uh, what, a, what, a, what a treat to see, see, see you, Rick, and thanks for your support and all that we do. And, and Wow. I want to give you a little personal update. Last time I was here, I lived in the Washington, D.C. area. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, a year can make a lot of difference, can't it? Uh, 
six months ago, we decided to leave uh, Maryland and, and the Washington, D.C. area and move to uh, some... We, we long to be further west, uh, to get out of the east, and I, I'll just leave it at that, okay? Uh, and, and have a, an, a rural adventure. Uh, I grew up in Iowa and, you know, farming community and all of that and kind of longed for, for that again. And um, part of the reason we had moved to Maryland was to be near my wife's family. And at the time, I was quite sick with advanced prostate cancer and she wanted to be near her family. And, and really, without going into a lot of detail, uh, uh, m- miraculously, I am still here and, and feeling better than I've felt in many, many years and have surprised all of my doctors and all of that. The, one of the things we were hoping to take advantage of was living near Johns Hopkins uh, Hospital in Baltimore where my wife's father had gone through treatment in, and received incredible uh, treatment there. Little did we know that our 12-year-old daughter would need to be there. And uh, two years ago had uh, brain surgery. And uh, we were so blessed that we lived right there. And through a number of things, we've all recovered. We're all doing great. And part of the adventure was our, our 17-year-old son, 16 at the time, said, I'd like to live on a ranch. Let's have some cattle and stuff. And I said, okay. So long story short, for the last six months, we've been living in Oklahoma. And uh, uh, we love it. The people are great there. We're, we're, we, we were able to lower our mortgage payment by quite a bit and get 38 acres ranch, beautiful home, fishing ponds, all kinds of... Well, anyway, uh, it, it's, it's good. So that's why uh, I had to explain to Brendan that I'm wearing my cowboy boots because I'm a cowboy now, okay? <laughs> Even though if we're friends on Facebook, you see we have three mini donkeys. We're real ranchers, I'm telling you. Uh, but anyway, they're a lot of fun. But anyway, just a personal update. And now we love that because we're more centrally located and first speaking and all of that. And all of us absolutely love. And every day I just say, thank you, God, for your mercy and your grace and for the cross and resurrection of Jesus. I say it's, it's, uh, it's all I have. And then I always say thank you for another day to serve you. And I think when you've been close to crossing over and then you get another chance, every day is a gift. And so I'm praying that in the days that I have, and years that I have, that I will be open to who Jesus is and His call on my life and that I'll respond faithfully to do what we can. Do what I can in these, in, in these days. Um, some of you, I know, were not here last year. Or when Heidi spoke a few minutes ago, you, you're not aware of who Hope for Kids is. And let me just run through a... Uh, a few little pictures here to show you a, a glimpse of who who we are, and uh, many of you have um, uh, thought about traveling with us. And as as Heidi said, we have a great opportunity in July to to take more of you. Thanks for sending Steve with us. I mean, look, Steve, can't you do better than that? <laughs> Steve, man, what a cool guy. Love you, man. That was a great, great experience. And then Cece, to have you along. And Heidi, it was okay to have you too. Uh, but 
thanks for sending these three spies that went with us, and I think they've, they're given a good report, but, but anyway, thank you for impacting their, uh, the, the lives of people you encountered. It was really special. Uh, this, um, okay, uh, there it is. I thought I was going to have to throw it there for a second. Um, this, this tells a little bit about who we are. Uh, our theme is to restore hope around the world by empowering kids to break the cycle of extreme poverty through four principles. That four, that four, that four in our name uh, uh, represents the four ways we bring hope. And it's through dignity, through health, through joy and love. And in our key verse is, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself polluted by the world. And so that's our foundation. These are a number of the countries we're serving right now. I know we've talked a lot about Uganda here, but we're involved in many other countries, in India, Uganda, Cuba, Guatemala, Mexico, Philippines, and Romania. We have opportunity, uh, we take short-term teams to all of those destinations. If something resonates with you from one of those places, uh, check it out. Uh, Our table out back by the missions uh, uh, booth back there, you'll find all the information you need on that. The foundation of a lot of what we do is child sponsorship. It empowers helpless children to break the cycle of extreme poverty with quality education, with health care, nutritious meals, emotional guidance with the love of Jesus. And this is, this is so true. Education is the key to break the cycle of poverty. And Heidi was mentioning that as we saw some of our kids graduating from medical school and so forth that had no chance at education before. Part of that is a lot of our kids are malnourished. And so we have a feeding program. I'm, I know you're well aware of Feed My Starving Children. Because we have a four-star rating with Charity Navigator, uh, Feed My Starving Children put us on their A-list, and they will give us all the food we want, free. All we have to do is raise the money for the container to ship and and the shipping to that country. And so still, it makes uh, a, a, a... a great difference because this is very nutritious food. And this is the scripture we use. Scripture has, uh, everything we do, we want it to have a biblical foundation. If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. So that's the foundation for that. We just returned from the Philippines, and some great things are happening in the Philippines. We're reaching out on a, a pla- in a place called Mindoro Island, which is the island south of the main uh, Luzon Island where Manila is. And there we just, uh, on the left, you see us uh, breaking ground for a new uh, school for kids living in poverty. So we're, we're launching that. We'll be back there again in February. The second picture, Hope for Kids International and the Mong Young Community Project, is way out. We crossed these rivers and, and weighed out there with all of our supplies. We did a medical outreach there this time and are helping uh, with educational tools there. And then on the right is our, is our headquarters in, in Uganda. Um, uh, as I mentioned, we're doing medical outreaches. This is one of those that we did. We have a, 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 
physician that travels with us on those teams and leads our teams. We volunteer. Uh, we look for nurses and, and, and anyone with medical background that travel with us. And we partner with the local medical people. One of the, I call it the triage of responding to the, the, those living in extreme poverty is, is bringing safe water. And, and you've been a part of at least three wells from this church. So you can know that three villages are, are now most likely free of cholera and diphtheria because of these, this clean water source you've given them. And part of what moved my heart to respond to this was that I learned that in this area of Uganda where we do most of our drilling, um, 52% of the children die before their fifth birthday. And about 84% of the diseases are waterborne. So instead of building clinics and everything first, we went to the, to the more critical, and that is getting them safe water. And there's a whole lot of reasons for that. But anyway, this summer we celebrated our 500th well uh, in Uganda. And it was quite a celebration we had there. Your team was a part of that and can testify that uh, the government, all of the high-level government people were there and were rejoicing with us. And, and uh, we know that the next 500 are going to come uh, quite quickly. And this is a, 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 because of your partnership here. This is the water source, right, at your place. See, when we visit your well, uh, we always take you to the water source, of where they used to drink. And this is actually a, a pretty big one. But look how filthy it is. And so that's why um, we respond in this way. So there's your team there. Steve, I'm surprised you got to be in the middle. It's usually Heidi. Well, anyway. Uh, <laughs> see why she quit? Uh, um, these, are, these are some of the, the kids connected with us, Right? Right? That was a cute one there. And they, well, there's Steve. This is Steve's <laughs> This is Steve's sponsored girl here. And it's quite a miraculous thing. We were in their village and she was actually home because she was sick with malaria. It's a a, a huge uh, problem in, in this area. And this is her family on the right. So that was that was like a pro- providential thing. This is another one of the w- water sources uh where uh we saw this was I, I can't say enough about your precious Cece. She is one amazing young woman. And here she is feeding the, uh, the Kermanjong kids. This is a porridge they get in the morning. About 400 of these little guys get fed every day. They get another meal of the Feed My Starving Children. And, and Cece was in, I was telling her mom yesterday, she was just in her element. She is, this is, this is who this young woman is, and I'm so proud of her. Oh, there's Heidi in the middle again. And there we are. <laughs> so that's a little, little, little glimpse of who we are. Um, as, I, as I mentioned, uh, by the way, um, uh, in, in September we had, uh, do you know JaVale McGee? He's uh, with the Golden State Warriors. Um, he uh, has drilled three wells with us, and he was there. And, and it was really cool because they saw one of our adoptive village places where we've built soccer fields and basketball courts and, and uh, you know, everything for them. Uh, and he came home all excited. And um, uh, some of the other players with uh, Golden State Warriors, especially Kevin Durant, said they want to help build uh, some, not just wells by schools, but uh, playground facilities. So, woo, that's, that's fun. 
Now, I want to uh, wrap up my thoughts here today by focusing on God's Word. Um, I was telling my staff this week in Phoenix when I was there for an executive meeting and a board meeting that uh, I, I, if, if I could preach every weekend, I would, I would love to do that. That was the first call in my life. I love leading teams. I love you know, doing a lot of other, other things that are on my plate. But, but if I can share from God's Word, this is what God called me to do. And one of the things that I've tried to guard over the years as our ministry has grown is that we would never shift mission, that we'd never, what we call mission drift. You know, there's so many needs around us and we shift from what we're called to, uh, what we're truly called to do. And, and that we would never compromise to become a humanitarian organization without the gospel. If we cannot preach Jesus in the middle of this, I don't want to be that. There's a lot of great organizations like that, and you can be involved with them. But we want to be uncompromising in this message that the, the love portion of what we bring is because of the love of Jesus. It's because we've been loved first, that we love, that we've received mercy, so we want to be His hands and feet and show mercy. And many times... Those who receive from us will say, why? What makes you do this? And not just one time, but that we have long-time commitments. Some people criticize short-term missions a little bit and say, what can you do in two weeks? Why don't you just give the money? Every time I'll say, don't give us the money. You come with us. Because the fact that you go with us and you have been able to bring some resources to them, you are able to hold a hand or give a hug or have a conversation and impact, and then you come back home and it's your story. You know, it's one thing to hear a speaker or read or or, uh, brochures or look on a website, but when you experience it and you come back, most I mean, I see the ripple effect of people that go with us and how they've influenced other people to go or give or whatever. Uh, I'll say it every time. Experience it yourself. Do what God's called you to do. And if he's called you to do, respond in this way, then uh, please respond. When I tell these stories, a lot of times I, I am moved. And, and I was telling your leadership yesterday that I often pray that God will move my heart by things that move his heart. And I pray that I won't become calloused or, or methodical in, in response, but that I truly will seek God and say, what is it you want us to do? What is it that we can improve on to... Uh, make a greater impact. And I often think, why aren't more of us involved in making a difference in our community or uh, as well as around the world? I know that God's heart is willing. I know that the Scripture is clear that we should be, be the light and, and, and salt of the earth, that we should be making a difference. And I, I really believe that part of it is our doubt that God really wants to use me. That he really wants to use us. I had an African pastor say to me in July, he said, Tom, God did not spare your life from cancer just to allow you to see your ministry to continue. But instead, you will see greater things happening in these coming years than all of the years before. 45 years. 
And as I look around, I, I see good things happening. I see that potential. But I'm also challenged to say, we need a, a, more people to say, this is our ministry, not yours. Or I'm glad what you're doing, but what am I doing? How can I get involved? Whether it's with Hope for Kids or some other organization, that's not important. It's, are we involved? Are we truly responding? Now, here's God's Word. Mark 14, verse 3 through 9. While he was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. There's a couple great things there. First of all, look where the Son of God was. God in the flesh, Jesus The full and final expression of God was in the home of Simon the leper. Not in the rich guy's house. He was there with an untouchable. I like that. And that's a whole other talk. We'll give that some other time. But this whole thing that she broke the jar. John 12 tells us that this woman is Mary of Bethany. The sister of Lazarus and Martha. This is a different Mary who did a different, uh, similar thing in another scripture who was grateful for her forgiveness. The tradition was to welcome a guest to your home by anointing them on the head with a small amount of oil. She was honoring him lavishly with an anointing fit for a king. And you remember when they anointed kings and it, the oil poured down on their beards. You know, so it was a full anointing. The whole bottle of very expensive perfume and oil. Probably an heirloom passed down for generations, mother to daughter, as was the custom at that time. This also was symbolic for preparing him for his foretold death. But the bottom line was, this was an amazing, selfless act of worship. Beautiful story. But, verse 4, some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why waste, what a waste of perfume. It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Jesus said, Leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you. And you can help them anytime you want. But you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare me for my burial. Verse 9 says, Truly I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Beautiful story. Now, one of my takeaway is, one of the things that I learned in Bible college was that when you look at a scripture, take it in its full context. This is one of those scriptures when people will make excuse for lavishness to say, well, Jesus said the poor will always be here. Don't worry about them. That's not what he said. 
You look at it in its context, and this is a beautiful story. She did what she could, but she got harsh rebuke for what she had done. Again, John's account says it was Judas Iscariot that criticized her harshly. And we know how he turned out. That she could have sold it and given it to the poor. Oh yeah, that's what he wanted to do with it. But Jesus defended her. The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them anytime you want. Because in the context, I'm about to die. And she's preparing me for that burial. Because, then he said, but you will not always have me. This was an act of worship, and she did what she could. Wow. To me, that is an incredible, beautiful story. And we can identify with that. Because when God speaks to you and you respond to do something, do you ever hear critical voices? Do you ever hear negative voices saying, what would you do that for? You could have done this and done that. You could have, instead of traveling all the way there, you could have just given the money. You could have, instead of doing that, you and negative voices come. Recently, I was reading the account of Moses when he sent the 12 spies to check out the land of Canaan. They all saw the land of plenty. You know, all 12 of them saw the same thing. But strong giants throughout the land. Remember how they described it, all the great fruit and trees and bounty and all of that, but they also saw giants. Yet Caleb and Joshua were the only ones that came back and said, with God, we can do this. So that's, that's really interesting, because remember, all 12 saw the same thing. But 10 came back with a negative report. And I think that says something about when you step out and obey, get ready for a lot of negative voices. Probably the majority of those around you will respond negatively. I also want to point out that a lot of times those voices that express doubt are our own. Oh, maybe, well, what if this happened or what what if that happened? The tan brought a negative report, caused the people to complain against the Lord, and the result, a six-day journey took them 40 years. And most of them never got there. Because they believed the negative report. See, we all face the same battles. When I'm amazed at people that travel with us. I've had people travel with us to Africa that are afraid of flying. And I say, and you traveled to Africa? First time on a plane and you went to Africa? I have people that have all kinds of fears. My parents said that I was going to be captured over here and kidnapped and get diseases and all of this, and I still came. I'm amazed at the faith I see, and the majority of the people that I'm talking about have had negative voices speaking toward them. It's too dangerous, but there's giants over there. But here's the point I want to make, and I hope you're applying this, not just mission trips or whatever, but but stepping out in faith to respond to what God's called you to do here locally or whatever. 
when he calls you, as we talked about yesterday in our, in our leadership, it's always above your, your faith. It's always above your abilities and your resources. So get ready. Lord, what is it you want to say to me? What are you saying to me and how can I respond? If you're hearing from him, there's going to be some giants out there. And it'll test your faith. You will have to have faith in him alone. He may call you to do something so incredible that you're going, God, if you're not there, I'm going to look really foolish. Then you know God's called you. I remember when I was ready to, to launch uh, uh, the whole sponsorship program in Africa and build a clinic and build a church and all of that, I talked to my pastor and I said, uh, here's what I feel like God's called me to do, but I don't know if it's me or if it's just, or it is God. And I had laid it all out there, pretty big budget. And he said, would you have any money? And I said, no, we're in the red. He said, Good then this is what God's called you to do because it has to be God. See, as Americans, so often we're used to doing leftovers. Well, I've got a little bit left over. I think I'll do something. That's not what we're talking about here. What's God calling you to do? To be the light and salt to your community, to, your, to our nation, and to beyond our borders. How does... What is he saying that we can do more effectively? And that's where I'm at in my life of saying, God, I'm not going to rest on anything we've done. This is, you've got more. You've got way more. We can do far greater things than we've done in, this, in, in the past. We all have a call to do something, to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to be concerned about our community, to those who are in need. God has gifted us in different ways. Our hearts are moved by different things. Doesn't mean you're less spiritual if you go downtown Minneapolis and you don't go to Uganda or the Philippines. All I'm concerned about is, is that what God told you to do? Then do it. Be faithful. Because see, if all of us will respond and say, I want to be faithful. I want to do this. And Lord, there's a lot of giants I could listen to the negative reports. I could listen to the negative voices in myself and around me. But this is what you've called me to do, and I'm going to do it. And then we could be like Joshua and Caleb and say, with God, this can be done. Without God, it can't. And in the New Testament, we hear that statement, through Christ, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So are, are, we, are we living out there? Are we living in that place where we say, God, you've got to be here. You, you've instructed me to do this, to be obedient to this, to respond to this. It'll always be above your faith. We'll need to depend on God for His guidance, for His provision, for His strength. But believe it. Let's cling to Him. And say, Jesus, with you, we can do this. Are we together? Right? Together we can do this. Let's pray. Loving God, thank you that your word is so alive and active. That you're challenging our hearts. And through so many different ways, we know the Holy Spirit is speaking to our hearts, challenging us. God, open our ears that we can hear 
your specific challenge to me, to us. We thank you and praise you for your faithfulness, for the miracle that you want to use each one of us. And we lay ourselves before you this morning. What is it you're saying to us, Jesus? Now, give us the faith to respond, to do that which you've called us to do. We give you the praise and the honor in Christ's name. Amen.
Yeah. 